Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talking sports. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it's Friday. Let's talk some sports. The world is too serious. Let's lighten it up and have some fun, but we got to be serious, too. <laughs> Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, check out RayandTayToday.com. Shoot us your emails and thoughts. We love feedback on the show, some of your picks, whatever you want to share with us, RayandTayToday at gmail.com. We're all over social media, so check us out. Ray, we're going to get into the NFL and NBA stuff, baseball, but let's start with Josh Brown. The NFL today has put kicker from the New York Giants, Josh Brown, on the exempt list. He was suspended one game earlier, you know, in the beginning of the season for domestic violence towards his wife. We've got different views and different angles and Mara. We've got the, the NFL with the policy for two years of six games that they came up with after Ray Rice has been subjective. They didn't do that. I, I kind of want to ask you this, two things, because I think we talked about this off air. One, he's a kicker. But I think where so many people have problems, and Teddy Bruschi said it so great on ESPN, is that the NFL, they look like hypocrites because they come out so strong, and even Mara came out strong. They replayed his comments in 14, and they had enough information. They didn't have full information, but they had enough information. Remember, you and I spoke about it, that he should have got more than one game back then because the policy is six games. And they knew about the Pro Bowl. They had to get separate rooms for his wife because he was beating her in the hotel room. The police came, and it was, she said, I fear for my life. He's hit me 20 times. How are we at this point now? And now that he's in therapy and there's some level of sympathy for him from the organization, can they still fire him legally? Like, what, how do you think this plays out, and where did everyone go wrong? I don't know where they went wrong because on paper this seems like a no-brainer the nfl has instituted a policy a couple years ago and it started with ray rice and it even applied to adrian peters that was different that's, that's children but it's, it's it's domestic abuse i mean sometimes it's your spouse and it's your child and it even impacted greg hardy who was never, frankly, well, he was convicted, but then it was overturned and the witness didn't appear. Um, But you could argue there were some legal loopholes there. So there's precedent here. And he got ten games and went down to four. We were shocked about that, right? Or he went to six, ten to six? Uh, Ten to six or eight, something like that. Yeah. So the point is there's precedent here. So it's not like the first time the NFL's gotten – hit with this, and it's not like the NFL's had to deal with it. And the NFL had a couple years to come up with a policy, and the NFL hired that woman, I forgot her name, the SVP of uh, Marketing and Communications. Yeah, Michelle. Big shot. Yeah, in in the the PR world. So 
why and how this is different and how this snuck up on the NFL and the Giants, one of the most you know well-respected conservative franchises, I have no idea. And then to add cynicism to the whole thing, he's a kicker. And he's not Adam Vinatieri. And he's not Sebastian Janikowski. He's a kicker. So it's unbelievable to me that he's still on the team, that he only and got And players and former defense. players are upset about it. Because Absolutely. a lot of the guys in the locker room are so against anti-violence. Then now, you know, for some people, you know, it might be a case, might not. But when you compare it, because you and I always felt Ray Rice should get a second chance. But when you see the Giants, oh, we won't abandon him and this and that or whatever, we care about him. Well, the Ravens supposedly cared about Ray Rice. So some people, and maybe legitimately so, are going to say, is this a racial thing? That you keep the white kicker and not the, you know, Super Bowl winning Running back for the Ravens. I, it, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Yeah, the only <laughs> the only other thing you can say is that, and this is just unfortunate. I don't think it should have any bearing on it. But in addition to video. race, the only other thing is yeah. video evidence, right? When you see something in your eyes, it's different from you heard about it. You know what I mean? I don't know why, but the psychological impact of of a visual. That's why a picture's worth a thousand words, right? So. That might be something in addition, you know, additionally keeping Ray Rice out. Just people can't get that image out of the, out of their mind. But 20 times, separate rooms at the – I mean, this is crazy. This is unheard of. And, and, again, shame on the NFL because they play, you know, big and strong, and yet this is a case that seems – Right. They're finding guys for, for – they're finding Antonio Brown, right, for – Shoes, but not for yeah, and for dancing, right? But not Arnold Palmer shoes, but no other shoes, other shoes. Then dancing in the end zone. I mean, they are looking like yo-yo hypocrites. I mean, this is, I mean, come on, you guys say, oh, you got to stand for something, and you're supposed to be the leaders of organizations. Thirty-two billionaires are looking like, uh, you know, a hot mess. This is bad. It it really is. Um. I, I guess legally they their charge on an exempt list was saying that this is new information. So they're trying to not get caught up in the double jeopardy. The union PA has got to protect the guy. And, you know, the Mara and McAdoo are like, oh, we won't abandon him. You won't abandon him? Look what he did to his wife. He he chose – I mean – I. I don't. I know they're saying he was abused and he got abused at seven. He said that since the age of eight, he liked punching women in the face. This is since the age of eight, right? Okay. So I, I don't understand. Like, I mean, to me, like he's admitted to the the, the violence and and verbal and physical. What else do you need? Like, I, I and I get the therapy. I, I'm glad, but that doesn't. You could care for him, but he doesn't have to be employed by the league. That's a privilege. You know, we always talk about it being a privilege. And I I don't think the NFL is doing something malicious here. I just just don't know how it fell through the cracks. Maybe the NFL thought the Giants are such a stand-up franchise that they would self-police, but that doesn't work. I mean, either you have a standard or you don't. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I don't think there's a conspiracy. you say self-police. I say that that they're one of the privileged owners and they – decided to, like, you know, let them handle it and give them a little break, and it backfired. 
That's Maybe. what happened. Maybe. Because they didn't think that this would come out and the counseling stuff would come out and stuff like that. So it would have just been one game and everybody would have went about their business. But there's a divorce. And you know what's so sad? How about Molly Brown? Because if he can't work anymore, her and her kid don't get child support, right? That's an issue. And this is why a lot of women don't want to come forward. Um, you know, she was afraid for her life. I mean, it's just, it's so sad. Victims get put, and these women get put in such a place. Let's let it go. We got to talk about the MLB playoffs. You know what I mean? It, we we just got to get to sports. And, Ray, we salute the Indians. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I want to ask you, is Andrew Miller the best maybe trade deadline deal in the last five years that in terms of influencing a team to get to potentially a World Series ring or at least being there because that guy was amazing. Not only is it Andrew Miller, but it's Tito Francona's ability to think Mm -hmm. out of the box. And I've always said this. Sometimes everybody says the last three outs are the hardest, and that might be. But when the last three outs are seven, eight, nine, eight, nine, one, you know, there's something to be said for if you have three, four, five in the lineup in the seventh inning, or better yet, in the eighth inning, you won't see them again. So if your best pitcher is reserved for the ninth inning, but their best hitters are hitting in the eighth, and you really don't have that much fear of their seven, eight, nine hitters, but you do have the four, five, six hitters. Doesn't it make sense to break and say, "Look, we need to get these three guys out"? And what he, Andrew Miller, Tito Francona, and Allen are doing. So the two pitchers and the manager is basically saying, "Look, we got the lefty-righty thing. We've got." the ability for these guys to go more than one inning, and we've got the ability after the fifth, basically, anything goes. <laughs> anything goes. we got matchups. We want to shut you down. Now, granted, it can backfire. And give him credit for being bold enough to put him in at, no, at any time, too. Not it, formulaic course. at all. And he's going against the formula. And you know what? If you pitch him two innings and he blows the game, then you've done yourself – a double disservice. He can't pitch the next game, and, you know, people are going to be questioning your philosophy. And, and you know, there is something we said for routines and roles, and people like to know I'm a seventh-inning guy, I'm an eighth-inning guy, I'm a ninth-inning guy. I get all that, and, and that's true. So it is risky. And he looks – he comes out smelling roses, Tito does, but it had it backfired, people would have been – he would have been the laughing stock. So having said that, I think that, that Miller – though, that trade with the Yankees, and I hope these prospects for the Yankees turn out because, obviously, we're both Yankee fans. But (laughs) this was great. I mean, this is going to look – this is like 99 David Justice for the Yankees. This is like, um, you know, David Justice is an everyday player, so maybe his impact's a little bit more than a reliever. But, uh, you know, this is huge, huge, Not not even big. It's huge. And they kind of almost remind you of the Kansas City Royals because they're scrappy. I mean, Coco, Coco, you know, can we clap it up for Coco Crisp, who was like, in the league. Did, 
But Ace didn't want to play him, Ray. And they were like, nah, we don't want to pay you, that, you know, so you get your contract and your bonuses or whatever. And then he winds up on the Indians, and he's just a savvy veteran. They've got young kids. They've got outcasts. They've got Napoli. I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic, like, structured team. It, on paper or just in general, you're not blown away. You're like, yeah, maybe they win 80 games. And then – Tito is just—I mean, he Francona. And they have injuries, no less. I mean, they are the one of the biggest uh, sufferers. Yeah, of the Salazar and uh, yeah, two of their guys are out, right? I mean, it's it's Carrasco's it's a great out, yeah. story. So let's go to the end now. Last night, the last two nights, <laughs> I think the Cubs are woke. Okay, Addison Russell is woke. Um, Rizzo and Brian. Brian's been around most of the series, but in general, their bats have had a boombastic surge the last two nights. What, 10 runs and what they get, six or seven last night, right? Um, is it over, or could we see seven games just because Kershaw is Kershaw and the way he's been pitching and he's, what, 3-0 and and a save totally in the postseason, 1-0 and in this series, but totally 3-0. Yeah. Do you think he pushes it to seven, or the Cubs I just think he are they going to finally get to him? Might. You know, the guy you you even didn't mention, Addison Russell, but Javier Baez. You oh, know, they gave up so on Carlin Castro, basically. They moved him from short because of Addison Russell, and then to second, and then they knew this kid Baez was going to be the guy. So, oh, again, you got to give the, the – you know, you got to give these guys, the Cubs, tremendous, and Theo Epstein and, and even the GMs before, they they were building something. Now, can the Dodgers stop this steamroll? I'm not sure. Uh, I told you that. You asked me, remember, last two games, you said, are the Dodgers going to win? I said, is Clayton Kershaw pitching? And you said, nope, can't pitch every day. So I said, nope, they're not going to win. So, Obviously, there was that controversial play at the plate and, and Adrian Gonzalez. But when you lose 10-2, I'm sorry. You know, you you got to be mentally that stronger matter? than that. It, yeah, it's one thing to lose 3-2 and say that a, a tight, you know, a tough call ended your ended your. Did you, you feel know, bad about everybody teasing him, though, about how slow he runs and it looked like he was running in slow motion? The funniest thing that I heard and is – By the way, he laid down that front yesterday and, and, it, oh, and know, almost anybody else in, the, in Major League Baseball would have, would have, you know, been safe on that front. It was a good play. It was a great play. It was a very heady play. It was a perfectly placed front. But, again, this second baseman who, who might be, you know – the next, I don't know who, who's the next up and coming second. Robinson Cano, this Javier Baez yeah. is, is 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 special. He's going to be really really good. They said he was faster in the slow motion replay than he was <laughs> in the regular speed. <laughs> so I, I I tend to think the Cubs are going to win this still in seven. I do think Kershaw pulls through Game Six. You think it's over in six, or will it go to seven? You know what. I'm going to say Kershaw gives it all he has, and then they lose in the ninth. So Ooh, okay. they lose They lose tomorrow. So all Chicago, right. could you imagine Chicago goes to the <sighs> World Series after having not been, not won one since 1908 and Cleveland since 1948. Yeah. And we remember when they were there last time in 97. You 97, know? that's right. It took, it took, what, an Edgar Renteria up the middle off of Holy Mesa. Yeah. That was the ninth uh, inning of wow. the seventh game. 
Yeah, I remember that one clearly. So moving on to the NBA, Ray. Now we're going to get to the Packers and Thursday night football and NFL and college. Are picks. you ready? Is, is, is it still but summer league? We, are you still in Vegas? Ray, listen, I, listen. I still got some reports that I got to type up for you for summer league, baby. I'm going to school you and let you know what's going on because you don't you don't oh, really know Lord. about Jalen Brown and you don't know about certain cats what they did. I know in about Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown okay. is a first round draft pick. But are you telling okay. me about guys that are like 15 <laughs> men on the roster? You don't know about the improvement of Langston Galloway with the Pelicans. <laughs> so we figured we'd come up with just some, you know, kind of. Interesting, quick questions. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more in depth on Monday with our preview, break it all down, break down the two conferences, give you our uh, you know, MVP and all the awards and stuff. But we figured we'd come up with some uh, questions just to throw back and forth, just to, to get your whistle wet because it is here. The NBA season is coming, and it tips off Tuesday with a doubleheader on TNT, the Knicks at the Cavaliers for the ring ceremony. And I believe the Warriors are hosting the San Antonio Spurs. Wow, great matchup. So, Ray, you, you start off first. I think you got a, a question. We'll go back and forth. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, well, since we're both Knicks fans, let me ask you about are the Knicks good enough to make the playoffs? And if so, what position? Hmm. Not wanting to give away my uh my picks that I say for Monday, but I think they are. I like uh, Brandon Jennings at the backup point. Derrick Rose got his legal stuff behind him. Noah's healthy. Uh, young kids, a deeper bench. Um, Mello always plays better after the ring. So I would say anywhere from six to eight, they'll they'll make the playoffs and be sixth, seventh, or eighth seed. I, I could okay. really uh, I, I could chew into that this year. You know what I mean? I could chew into that. So I got to ask you, because there have been some franchises in the NBA that have been historically great and they've been struggling for a while. But are the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers, number two pick and the Sixers number one pick, are they good enough? Do you think they're good enough to show, you know, a type of improvement where this season that maybe, just maybe, they could actually win 30 games, which would be a huge increase for both of them. But how much do you think they improve, and could they hit the 30-game mark? The Lakers, yes. The Sixers, no. With Ben Simmons out and not having a real identity and not having a real go-to guy and really trying to figure it out, I mean, unless Joel Embiid surprises me and kind of takes over that team, I think they're still a year away. So they're terrible. I don't think they win 30. The Lakers, on the other hand, I think that D'Angelo Russell is going to take over. Uh, Julius Randle is healthy. They've got some – they got Tim O'Fay. Anybody got Tim O'Fay <laughs> can win some That's games. That's your guy. That's uh, Tim O'Fay. So, uh, yeah, I think I got they still the got Lakers. World Peace, though. <laughs> still on that oh, roster. Oh, Lord. So that maybe that offsets it a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I said the Lakers over 30, Sixers under 30. Okay, even in that tough West, you you really you, you believe that? Yeah, well, you still play you still play yeah. uh, what thirty games against the East or whatever the number is out of eighty-two. You still play a good number of games against the East. So I, yeah, I think the Lakers could squeak, but I'm not saying they win forty. They could win thirty-one, thirty-two, maybe. Okay, that's fair. All right, All right. so I gotta ask you. 
speaking of rookies, which of these rookies do you think is going to have the biggest impact? So is it number one pick Ben Simmons, Ingram, Bender, Brown? You're talking about Jalen Brown, Jamal Murray. <laughs> who's your Who's your uh, most impactful? Because we'll, we'll, we'll say rookie of the year on Monday, but who do you think is going to yeah. have the most impact, change his team? Um, two guys you did not mention, it's between them. It's between Buddy Heald and that damaged Pelican injured roster. Anthony Davis is hurt again, but it's looking like he might make it back for the regular season opener. But Buddy Heald could potentially be a huge difference for them since they lost Eric Gordon and they desperately need shooting. They lost Ryan Anderson. But also Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn eventually, if not right away, would be, should be, or might be the starting point guard ahead of Rubio. And with Ben Simmons hurt, I would lean towards Chris Dunn as my rookie of the year pick, but I'll save that for Monday. So I like, I like Chris Dunn. He's going to okay. be the captain of that young, talented ship. So I got to ask you this, because, you know, the obvious is everybody's been talking about the Warriors and the offseason and Duran. And remember, we spoke to Al Troutwick, and he was concerned about all the bench players they lost, like Bogut and Barnes went to Dallas and other guys. But we know the Warriors got the top three best players, you know, in the league and crazy improvements. But other than the Warriors, what teams do you think or which team do you think made the best improvement? Maybe the Bulls, the Pacers, the Jazz, the Knicks, Blazers. So, what, what do you think? I think all of those teams you mentioned got better. Uh, not right. in, not to the point where they can challenge them, and that's what's the most disappointing is the teams right. that can challenge the Cavs and challenge the Warriors didn't improve enough. But you're right. The Jazz got better. The Jazz added a lot of talent. Jazz make the playoffs. The Knicks got better. Like you think, I agree with you, Knicks make the playoffs. The Bulls got better, bringing Dwayne Wade, keeping Butler. They did lose uh, Gasol, but I think they'll be okay. Miritic will, will, uh, will step up. So I think all of those teams got Don't better. Don't forget about Rondo. They got Rondo and, and exactly. MCW. <laughs> Rajon Rondo and MCW at the point. That's right. True point guard. Still can't shoot. But they, they, have, they have the point guard play. So I think that a lot of these mid-level teams got better. The problem is the upper echelon teams didn't get better to challenge Cleveland and Golden State. Yeah, no, you might be right about that. All right, last two questions. Let's hit, hit me up with something good. What you, what you got for me? All right, well, you know, speaking of getting better, so the Warriors got Durant, and they left Russell Westbrook on his own like Patty LaBelle in Oklahoma City. Can he be Oscar Robertson and average a triple-double this year? Wow, right. Hmm. I know he's surely going to try. <laughs> so I don't know if you heard this, because I don't follow these guys' sites, and you and I are not big on Instagram. But on July 4th, soon after he signed, Russell Westbrook sent out this cryptic Instagram thing and said, happy July 4th, fellas. And it was, uh, I guess, a plate of cupcakes. And turns out that Kendrick Perkins... And, you know, when he was there, they used to call cats that were soft and other NBA players that were soft cupcakes. 
And so since Duran knows this, Russell was talking about Duran and Curry and the Warriors and called them cupcakes. But I think that's brilliant and great because we don't know it, but that's the inside thing. And I think Russell could be headed to an MVP, but they might fall. He might fall short because they might not have enough wins. And I actually think he's going to fall a little short of the triple-double, but he's probably going to have 25 of them. So I'm thinking maybe close to 30, uh, 10 assists. I mean, maybe 9-9 and or 10-8. You know what I mean? He's going to be close. But the assists will be up because he's going to have to pass and get everybody involved. So maybe 10 assists and 8 rebounds. So it's going to be good no matter what. But close, okay. close, you know. Not Nobody's really Oscar Ray, you know. <laughs> we can't. No. All right, so everyone, including us, and, and, you know, anybody is everybody, has been predicting, and we'll say what we predict. But everybody's like, oh, it's Cavs, Warriors, rematch. You could fast forward through the season. But I want you to give me a team or two that could potentially break up the three-time NBA Finals rematch that we kind of all really want to see. Is there one or two teams that if something breaks right and or something works perfectly, like the Spurs or the Clippers or something, is there anybody, Toronto, anyone, Ray, the Pacers maybe, somebody that can break up the Finals? So I'll give you one in each conference. And, again, I'm one of those guys that says it's going to be a trilogy. It's going to be Warriors <laughs> and Cavs. But things happen. You know, there could be fights yep. in the locker room. There could be injuries. There could be guys not getting along. We've seen crazier things happen than mega teams not make an NBA Finals. So I'm yep. going to say this team that I've been pounding my chest on, and all they have to do is go back to the to the time machine. Remember the George Michael time machine? Yes. Uh, so I keep it at old school. George Michael time machine to the playoffs two years ago against the San Antonio Spurs. And remember when Blake Griffin was Blake Griffin and he was unguardable. Mm. He averaged like 25, 10, and 5 assists or something like that. I can look up his exact yes, numbers. But the Los crazy. Angeles Clippers, now the problem is they have some issues defending on the wing. They're a little small with Chris Paul. Um, obviously, and then and Jamal Crawford towards the end of his career, and J.J. Redick, you know, they're a little bit small. They need a little oomph. Uh, uh, you know, Paul Pierce is, is better days are behind him. But they added Mo Space, though, baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess Mo Buckets. But that's not their problem. Uh, if Blake Griffin can put on one of those performances and he can get Draymond Green in foul trouble. He can create a mismatch inside, and DeAndre Jordan, you know, doesn't foul out, plays big. You know what Chris Paul can give you. You know what Reddick can give you. You know what Paul Pierce can give you in the clutch. So they have all the elements and all of the experience to win. So the Clippers would be my team in the West. And in the East, I'm going to say a team that's kind of below the radar, but the Indiana Pacers, you know, remember that it took a 41-point game from – now, granted, the team was a little bit different, right? And they had David West and they had other players. But it took a big-time performance by Dwayne Wade three, four years ago when 
the Heat were down. Remember the Heat were down to them? Yes. And then they had to come back and win 4-2. So you look at a series and you say 4-2. Well, you know what? Um, they were Indiana was giving them all that they could handle. And so I think this Pacers team, they've got some offense. They've got some utility that, that like six, seven, six, eight, six, nine players that can run up and down. They've got a superstar go-to guy in Paul George who's played with all these guys in the Olympics, who's as confident as anybody in, in closing the game, both on defense and on offense. So I'll say the, the Pacers and the Clippers are the two teams that could potentially throw some uh, among with, the uh, program. With our guy Al Jefferson off the bench now that Peter Vesey was uh, killing a couple the years ago hole. on our show. <laughs> the black hole can score, though. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, look, we just want to wet your whistle and have some fun with some NBA talk. We are so uh, – I, I, I think the Warriors are must-see TV. But like you said, you got to see – you have to see Russell Westbrook play. You feel like every game he's going to come out like crazy. The Pacers are improved. The Knicks, the Bulls are fascinating. You know, the Cavs, you know, can they handle the success? There's so many storylines and I'm hyped up. I mean, Gasol to the Spurs. I mean, so we will preview it on Monday. We are excited about some of the NBA stuff coming on. But now it's time for the NFL. And we got to start with Thursday Night Football. And I am so saddened to see our guy, Brian Hoyer, who set a Bears record for four straight games over 300 yards passing. And then in the fifth game, breaks his arm i mean ray that was crazy for a 26 to 10 win for the packers it was ugly and the packers did not look good for a while and it was very close through three quarters two things where they throw 53 passes can montgomery repeat that don jackson comes in he gets hurt Niles davis hasn't didn't really get to play much can montgomery do that again can Devonte adams do that again and are things okay and fixed, or was it just they took advantage of a Bear team that was kind of broken and really broken after they lost their their uh, Hoyer guy, and now they're going with Matt Matt Barkley, Ray? Oh gosh! You know the what? Packers okay? Was it no, a myth or the, the Packers, Packers are okay? In trouble. The Packers are in trouble. Yeah. And remember, I had them winning it all. So yeah. I'm telling you, the Packers are in trouble. Mike McCarthy, as much as Aaron Rodgers is the man, and as much as he's you know, the gunslinger, and he's still, in my mind, even though he hasn't played well in a year and a half, he's still the best quarterback in the NFL, maybe the best player in the NFL. Something's wrong on that offense, and I don't know what it is, the play calling, the schemes, the receivers can't get open, the offensive line, the running game, who knows. But what I do know is that Aaron Rodgers can't sit back there and throw 60 times a game. It's ridiculous. And they have a wide receiver playing running back. And not only one, they had Montgomery and Cobb. And, by the way, Ray and Terry went at it. And I had Rodgers and you had Cobb. So, I know, we, I know. Oh, my goodness, we went at it. But three guys catching ten balls, that's unbelievable. They need to run the ball. And they better hope that this kid, Nile Davis, turns out to be, you know, a good fill-in. He played pretty well. In, he was good at KC. He, he was, was good, good at KC like last him. year. Yeah, they kind of forgot about him. They liked that kid, Charsandrick West and, and Spencer yeah. Ware, and, and obviously Jamal is Jamal. But the Packers are in trouble. It took them 
40 minutes of football time to get in business. And even then, if you look at if you look at the the, the, the touchdowns, right? Like the the first Devonte Adams touchdown was actually a bad pass by Aaron, and Aaron doesn't usually throw bad passes. It was, it, was a, it was a back shoulder fade, and he threw it to the inside. So if a defender was actually playing the ball, it could, could have and should have yeah. accepted that. And now you're right. Against a better team, against that's a better what, team, you what they did do this. won't work. You can't throw the ball 60 times. You have to get a running game. You have to have balance, and your, and your wide receivers have to make plays and get open. So Packers are in trouble. I totally agree with you, but I, I think a lot of it is an issue with the wide receivers. Jordy is not Jordy. Maybe next year he will be, but he's also, what, 31, will be turning 32, and the other guys are whatever. But so why don't you do what New England does? There's no motion. There's no picks. There's not enough slants. There's no creativity. There's, there's no, no like screen passes like the Steelers. Nothing. And I told you, I, I think it's time. I told you, and I stick to it, Mark, Mike McCarthy is a little, I don't want to say overrated, but he's maybe getting outdated. It's time. It's time for him to go. And I think the Packers, I don't know. This might be weird. But I could see the Packers going hard after our guy, David Shaw. I, it's just, I just sense it. Shaw with offense and Rodgers, you know, I, it's, uh, Mark, put it down. What is it, what's today's date? October what? 21st. 20, God, is it October 21st already? Well, that's what Tay's putting it down. David Shaw to the Packers next year. But wow. let's get to he doesn't even Sunday. Get, he doesn't go to like Jacksonville or no, Tennessee. No. You're saying he goes to Green and, Bay? And and guess what? Gus Bradley might be going too because unless the Jacks can continue to turn it around, that team's got too much talent. They've got a good defense, and Blake Bortles is being held back by him. So there's going to be some offensive guys that could be the Houston coach, or Herman's job, if he doesn't sign the extension. Even if he does, you know, he could leave too. It's going to be fascinating. Those two guys are going to get NFL jobs if they want them. If they want them, you know. So let's start with this London game early in the morning, man. I guess I'll probably be up at 6:30, knowing my kids. The New York Football Giants, with all their controversy over there in London with the commissioner against the Los Angeles Rams. The Giants are favored by two and a half. It's considered a Rams home game. I'm going to let you tackle this first. What do you got for me? Oh, you know, with the Giants, you got to ask yourself which Giants team is going to show up. And I think there's enough built-up frustration. And now with Josh Brown being in the news, I do think that the Giants, and especially Eli Manning, tend to play well with a chip on their shoulder. So I think the good Giant team is going to show up. Still have some issues running the ball, similar to Green Bay. They had some injuries, you know, obviously with Jennings and then Vereen and, and, and their stable of running backs going down. But if Eli Manning has time, he still has Shepard Cruz and ODB. So I don't think the Rams on a neutral side, I'm still not a Case Keenum fan. He's, he's had some – Decent weeks, last few weeks. I think their momentum stops here. I think the Giants D picks it up. I think their offense shows why they're you know at the skill position as good as anybody. Certainly the the quarterback and wide receiver combo. So I think the Giants take care of business. I think they win a, a, a decent game, but at the end, I think the Giants pull away. They just have too much offense. 
I'll give you 27-20 Giants. Hmm, interesting. I think Todd Gurley goes off. I don't think the Giants' defense has been great, and I think there's no Tremaine Johnson probably in the Rams. Janoris Jenkins is with the Giants, <laughs> so they cannot guard all those receivers. So I think the Giants – win 27-24, and I think it's, it's going to be the Sterling Shepard show. I think he, he gets off. I try to double-team Odell, and Sterling gets off. So the next doozy we got, we, this is a, a sneaky good game. I figured we should pick this. How about the Washington Redskins at the Detroit Lions? Both these teams seem to be on the upswing. I'm going to stab at this one first because the Redskins, Ray, no Jordan Reed, second week, 4-2 and two with the uh, concussion. But an old-school band that we love down with the Yo Terps, Vernon Davis, woke up, got him a touchdown, and the Redskins offense has found a running game. But I don't know if they found a good enough defense. And I think the Lions at home, they've been getting some, some mojo. Maybe, I don't know, if Riddick is ready to play, but they got four set now. And I think passing, they'll be able to do enough. And I think Matthew Stafford, one-and-a-half point spread, I think they win a close game and they cover and win 26-24. And I say Golden Tate has another good game and wakes, you know, continues to improve his, uh, his season. Wow. See, I think the Detroit Lions are overly dependent on Marvin Jones Sr. And the Redskins have a gentleman by the name of Josh Norman. And I believe that Josh Norman is going to give Marvin Jones Sr. a whole lot of his business. So That's why they go on the Golden Tate, baby. Well, exactly. So they really need Golden Tate to step up and, and create a huge game, and they need Eric Ebron and the rest of these guys to take some of the load off. The running game is inconsistent. The running game is banged up. Even though Jordan Reed is out, they've played without him. And if they can get – he fell out of favor and then he came back into favor – uh, if they can get their running game straight, because now they're like, who's their runner, right? Is it Thompson? Is it uh, it's Matt, you know, Jones. Matt Jones? But Matt Jones Matt was sitting Jones. down for most of the game. He was in the he was in the doghouse in the middle of the game, and then they brought him <laughs> back in the fourth quarter, and he and he racked up some good stats. So if the Redskins can get that running game together and they can control time of possession. You know their weapons. They still have Pierre Garçon. They still have uh, your boy Deshaun Jackson. If they can get that running game, I think they'll be tough. Even without Jordan Reed, I think they win this game. I think they'll go for 30. So I think it'll be a little bit of a shootout, but 30 to 26 Redskins. Mm, okay. You like the you like the Pizzoints. Now, this might be one of the most entertaining games of the weekend. The spread's kind of high. The Chiefs are favored six and a half over the Saints. In some ways, just because of the way things are going, both these teams, it's kind of a must-win. Chiefs, maybe not so much so, but you can't lose a, a home game, especially to an out-of-conference team. And I think they need to be able to try to gain ground and, and you know maintain with the Broncos and Raiders. And then the Saints, this is kind of it. Two, you know, they they 
there's too many teams competing for the NFC wild card, so they've got to start to win more to maybe catch Atlanta for the division. I don't think the Saints can do it. And playing in Kansas City, Ray, and we, I don't know the, the, the weather forecast, but it's, it's almost November. I feel a little chill, a little breeze. People aren't barbecuing anymore. They're just out there wearing red, and they're loud, and they're spitting, and it's a lot of fog, and it's cold. And <laughs> I think the Chiefs win, and they cover, and Jamal Charles and Ware both get a touchdown. I think Kelsey does some stuff. Kobe Fleener has a big day for Drew Breesies. But I think at the end of the day, I say that the Chiefs win and cover the six and a half points, and they win 30 to 23. My arms stay breezy. Yeah. So, They're going to score some points, the Chiefs. I believe it will be a shootout, even though Kansas City has a good defense. Drew Brees is having quiet has kept a, a pretty decent, you know, statistical year. Now his team's not not having great success. The game's in Kansas City, tough place to play. I think ultimately Kansas City wins, but I don't think they pull away from New Orleans. I don't think they have enough offense to pull away from New Orleans. So New Orleans is always going to be in the game. And Drew Breesy is going to find his receivers, and Mark Ingram's going to do just enough to keep them in the game. I think Kansas City wins. I'll say 26-24. I guess it's a somewhat high-scoring game, but not a shootout. That's a good call. Well, this is kind of either, uh, you know, homecoming weekend, right, and some of the college football, uh, revenge weekend. There's, you know, some themes, you know, some some themes that are, are quite clear. And one of them is Sam Bradford with the Vikings returning to Philadelphia to battle the young Carson Wentz and his wagon that has been struggling as of late, lost two in a row. The Vikings are favored by two and a half. The Vikings, as we spoke to Daniel House with Vikings Corner on our show, they're a serious team with some serious coaches and a serious defense. And I think without Lane Johnson, the Eagles are just going to continue to fall apart because as good as Wentz is with a, not a great line, inconsistent running game, and not great receivers, the Vikings are going to eat them up. I think the Vikings take care of the Eagles, I'll say 26-17. And I think our boy Jarek McKinnon winds up having a pretty decent game, maybe 80 yards rushing, 30 yards receiving, and a touchdown. Go Vikings, go! Go Vikings! If I had one of those horns, I would blow it. The Vikings <laughs> horn. Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. I think the Eagles are not for real. I didn't think they were for real before the season. I think they got a pleasant surprise with Carson Wentz. But ultimately, I just don't look at their roster and see them as contending for the NFC East, let alone the NFC so the Vikings right now are the class of the league, and they can go into Philly and they can beat up on the Eagles. So I don't have any problem with what you said. I agree. Big, big. They'll win big. Uh, <clears throat> don't know if the Eagles can score 20. So I'll say similar score. I'll say uh, um, 30 to 19. Okay. Last two games before we get to college. The Chargers. Super Chargers at the Falcons. This another entertaining game. The Chargers are underdogs. Uh, Falcons are favored by six and a half. I think it's been bouncing up to seven. Um, 
This is fascinating because I think these two quarterbacks are going to have a shootout. Both defenses are improved but are still vulnerable. And Matt Ryan and Julio are going to light it up, but then Joey Bosa could get to Matt Ryan and then Phillip Rivers and whoever he wants to throw to, Benjamin or Williams or Gates or Hunter, Hunter Henry, baby, I think, you know, are going to be interesting. So the difference might be in the running backs. And so I say I got to go the Falcons because of Coleman and Freeman over Melvin Gordon. And I don't think they cover them. So I'll say the Falcons win a bit of a shootout, 30-27. to 27, And not the fantasy stud, but I think maybe Jacob Tammy makes the difference getting into the end zone for a touchdown to help the Falcons uh, win the game. So 30-27, Falcons over the Superchargers, who I just feel so sorry for Phillip. So, you know, I have a hard time thinking this Falcons team is as good as they are. Um, and the Chargers, they've been in every game. I just have a feeling that. And I call that Bronco win. Country, yeah, coming across the country in Atlanta, too much. Too much. The team is playing well on defense and excellently on offense. So this is and should, have beat, and should have had a chance to beat the Seahawks last week. Yeah, a, a, a penalty not called puts them, you know, in in a much better position, especially where that penalty would have been. I mean, that was a 30, 40-yard uh, pass play right there. So yes, yeah. the Atlanta Falcons will take care of the San Diego Superchargers and um, keep rolling, keep rolling to that NFC West. You know, maybe to the NFC West title. Yeah, NFC South, NFC West is back NFC, in the day. Sorry, NFC, NFC South. Yeah, I was looking at the Chargers being in the AFC West. Yeah, yeah, I got, got my uh, got my but, but we do remember that with Billy White Shoes Johnson, those NFC West days. Oh, oh my man. goodness, yes. I had to explain to my son that the NFL used to have 28 teams. You know, because remember, people forget after the Browns moved to Baltimore. When they expanded and they had 30 after, you know, they already had the Panthers and Jaguars. Remember, they expanded and brought in the Texans and the Browns, brought them back. So then they went from 30 to 32. It's uh, You almost forget, you know, it's been so long. It's been a long time. So, look, as much as I hate to say it, there's nothing that we need to talk about with Pittsburgh and, and, and New England. So, and I'm sad about that. But let's get to the Sunday night football game, Ray. The Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals, they've won there, I think, the last three years in a row. The Seahawks are like, we come to the desert and we take over and run things. But they did that with Beast Mode and Marshawn Lynch. Now, Carson Palmer was limited in practice. John Brown's not playing. But I don't think it matters because they have J.J. Nelson and Jerron Brown, and they have David Johnson and Fitz. And I think at the end of the day, David Johnson is is on his way to a top three MVP voting uh, type season. He's going to be up there. And, you know, I hope Shady McCoy plays with his hamstring this week for the Bills because, you know, maybe they rest him because they play Patriots next week, right? But it's another MVP candidate, right? But David Johnson is going to will this team, him and Fitz, to victory over their arch nemesis Seahawks. And I think it's going to be a classic. And I think your boy Chandler Condazero, or however you pronounce his last name, he kicks a field goal. They win the game 26-24, cover the spread, Sunday night football, and walk off winners in the cornerback battle of Peterson and Sherman. 
Go Cards. So, once again, my fa- my fellow football fans in the desert are going to hate me. <laughs> that 17-year-olds are looking for it, you. I They're like, yo, where, where's like Rayside? I, <laughs> I just call it like I see it. And in this game, I cannot see David Johnson running over this Seattle defense. And if he doesn't, and you put the onus back on the passing game, Carson is still a little shaky. And this team, like you said, Brown's not there. You start losing a couple of weapons. It it uh, it doesn't look good. I see that the looking in my crystal ball, the Seattle Super Super Seahawks are talking about in the locker room. Like, guys, the Packers are shaky. The Falcons are not really for real. Oh, remember, they're my Super Bowl pick. If we go, right, if we go in and take care of this team, we don't really think the Rams are that good. Uh, We know nobody in the NFC East is really scary. So we could really start to put a stamp on the NFC West and on the NFC, get us home field advantage throughout and start our run to another Super Bowl. So I think the Seahawks just have too much D. The the um, Your Cardinals would have to, Elijah Dukes' Cardinals, would have to play almost uh, you know up to their potential offensively. And I just don't think that, that David Johnson is going to have the field day that he had against the Jets or against his other opponents this weekend. So I think that the uh, – I think that they win pretty easily too. I don't think it's going to be that close. I think that the that the um the Seahawks are ready. I think they're going to put up 30. I think they win 30 Ooh. to 23. I think they win by a touchdown. Well, we got to go to Saturdays and speaking of not close, we're talking about number 1 hosting number 6 Alabama against why you acting all Aggie. Texas A&M, and what Alabama's done in the last few weeks has just been more than we even imagined, and young freshman Jalen Hurts is a super-duper stud. Travis Knight is legit. I think he's playing great, and I think Texas A&M will play good for probably the first half, but I think Harris, the offensive line, the defensive line, I say it every week, <laughs> and the way Hurts is, he's going to start to get Heisman votes. Uh, Ridley on the outside, I think Alabama at home, right, with Bryant-Denny Stadium, I think they take care of business. Oof, I'm not sure what that spread is, but doesn't matter 19. to me. I, I don't think they can cover that, but I do think that they win 38-27. Bama. I agree. I agree with everything you said. The only thing that bothers me about this A&M team, they're 6-0, and but they really – I mean, they played Tennessee and Arkansas, right? So those are their good games. And they played South Carolina and Auburn and Prairie View A&M. And, you know, so, so not really gone through the grind. Alabama's already been through the grind. They beat Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Tennessee. So I think – Alabama wins. They don't cover, but I think it's a good game. I actually think that uh, you know, 
in preparation. Kevin Sumlin's going to have something up his sleeve. And I think your boy, the Alabama transfer, uh, sorry, the uh, Oklahoma transfer, Trevor Knight, is ready. So I think I think they keep it close, but ultimately Alabama wins, but doesn't cover. Number seventeen, Arkansas, sweet, and number twenty-one, Auburn. Now Auburn's been sneaky good. I still, you know, wonder if they're legit. But I didn't get to pick them last couple of weeks. But you know, my guy is Austin Allen. And I think Arkansas, I mean, he's got 18 touchdowns, right? This guy is the man. And I think Austin Allen, they go into Auburn, and him and Williams and the receivers on the outside and the tight end, I just think it is a performance and a show. And, bam, I mean, Auburn can score. You know, um, White, the quarterback, is, you know, pretty good, but – I haven't seen enough from Auburn, and so I think I've seen explosiveness from Arkansas, and I think this is not three, four years ago Auburn defense. Arkansas wins 37-27. Good game. This may not be three or four years ago Auburn defense, but they can still play D. They can still play D. I like this team. I think they keep the game close. I think the game's in Auburn. So, Jordan Hare Stadium, my friend, that Uh-oh. is where it's at. The Tigers are going to do it. It's Uh-oh. a tight game. Ultimately, last possession, I'm looking at a field goal. So, I'm looking at 23-20. Auburn wins takes their record to 5 and 2 and sets Arkansas back to 1 and 3 in the SEC. Oh gosh. It's hard to believe, right? These SEC teams just be, they kill each other. It's brutal, but they're all really talented. Well, maybe not all of them. We have number 23 Ole Miss against number 25 LSU. And I think this week a couple of SEC teams get out of the top 25 like Auburn and LSU. Because I think Chad Kelly <clears throat> He also has had some battles, but with some tough teams. And I think they continue to start to win again. And I think, I don't know if the LSU, the young you know, quarterback that's in replacing Harris, I don't know if, if he's ready yet. Um, Fournette is back and healthy, but I don't know how healthy, if he can give you 35, 40 carries in, in a dominant you know, fashion and matter. But I know that Chad Kelly is legit. And I think... I'm not in love with this LSU defense. It's it's still good, but I think Judd can run a little bit, and I think Kelly will be able to pass. So I think they pull away a bit, and I think they win this one. I'll say thirty to thirty to twenty-one. Maybe no, I'll say thirty twenty-three. Ole Miss, baby. You know what? I was gonna go with Ole Miss, but this game is in Baton Rouge. Uh, Ed Ogeron, the interim. It seems like he's everybody's interim. Like when you want an interim, you get Easy Ed, you know, at USC, at Auburn, steps here. Up. Steps up. So like, I, got I think you. he's going to motivate his players. It's a, a one of those typical Baton Rouge, you know, games. Sloppy defense. 
it's going to get real ugly out there. I mean, both of these are pretty decent offensive teams. Obviously, LSU run the ball, runs the ball. Ole Miss throws the ball, so that'll be a, a conf- conflicting styles. But I just think that they're able to control and possess the ball. LSU takes care of business at home. Leonard Fournette, like you said, is back. The, the, his his uh, guys, his backup filled in very nicely, kind of like uh, uh, um, – you know, Nick Chubb did a couple of years ago at Georgia yeah. uh, when Todd the boy went down, when Todd Gurley went yeah. down. I like LSU in a close one, but I like him in one of those ugly, low-scoring LSU wins, I'll say 20 to 19. All right, real quick before we end, we got to give them a little bit of an upset pick. And so for me, I got two. It might not be a big one, but the first one is UCLA at home. The Bruins, I think they're ready to continue to improve and turn their season around, and I think they take down number 19, Utah. I just I feel like UCLA, I think they can do this. And then my other one, I was so wrong about Texas Tech last week against West Virginia, but I don't think I'm going to be wrong about my man Thrill Hill and TCU going to number 12, West Virginia. Yes, West Virginia is good. They're talented. They're undefeated. But I think TCU can score with them, and I think Gary Patterson will do a little bit something nice on the design of defense, and TCU will go into West Virginia and upset them and even mess up the Big 12 even more, more than their own commissioner did, right, by deciding not to expand the yeah, conference. That's crazy. That, that's crazy. So you got an upset pick for me? Or pick. You know what? By record, it's not an upset, but you and I both don't really love and thought they were overrated, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I think they're going to sneak up on the Wisconsin Badgers, who just beat. Wow. Who just played. I shouldn't say they didn't just beat, but they played Michigan right. State. They played Michigan. They played Ohio State. They're thinking, all right, we're tired. To Iowa. Yeah. We're tired. We're a little bit, you know, resting. We're, we got <laughs> – Iowa, then then we got Nebraska next week, so maybe we're looking ahead a little bit. Now, mm. Kinnick Stadium's not an easy place to play, so those veterans on that team aren't going to take it lightly, but I have a feeling that they're just going to, ah, they're going to exhale a little bit, and Iowa's going to snatch them. So I like, I like this one. little upset. The okay. Big, the big is, uh, is, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Oh, and props to Boise State for uh, pulling it out a tough game against BYU, right? That was a, a battle. Can, is Louisville safe against NC State? 27, right? Yeah. Yeah, is Louisville yeah, safe I against think NC Louisville's State? Right. I think Louisville's I think they're safe, too. Yeah. I think Louisville bounces back. Right. Houston bounces back. Yeah, a little bit of a bounce back. All right. Well, listen, Monday we'll be talking NFL and college, but more importantly, our NBA 2016-17 NBA preview show so tune in and uh, Lakers have a good... in the finals. You've heard it here <laughs> <first>. <laughs> uh, This is not 80, what, what 84, 86? 84, 85, 86. Uh, 86. 86. One of those teams was in every year. Oh, my goodness, right? Except, except for our sixes that won it one, one year. So have a good sports weekend. We are out. See you later.